0: Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences.
1: Here's your host, Max Cantor. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Talking Late Night. I'm your host, Max Cantor, and today I'm very excited because I'm joined with a very talented young woman. She is a stand up, she does improv, and she is a sketch writer over at Highwire Theater Company. So please help me in welcoming to the show, Miss Haley Elman. El- H- Haley. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, thank you. Not just not to correct you, but to correct you. I I also perform sketch at high wire. Oh, okay. So you're not just
1: a writer. No, you you perform as well. Yes. Which do you like doing more? You like writing or performing more?
0: Oh, they're just so different. Um, <laughs> they're they're a definitely different thrill. Now, I think I think a lot of the the payoff in Hmm, it's hard. It's hard to say. Uh, But there's always a little thrill that comes along with performing because there's an audience there and there's a buzz going around and even if it doesn't go so well, there's still that moment of excitement to let, let's go out there and do the thing. And, um, you know, and that's fun no matter what. And uh, kind of my satisfaction... With writing is pretty dependent on, on how it goes.
1: <laughs> Do you, is it more nerve-wracking for you when you write something and you're like, oh, you're standing you know, backstage you're like, I hope this goes well, or when you're performing and you know that a joke's coming up and you're, you're thinking the same thing, like, oh, I hope this, this hits. What's more scary?
0: Okay, so whether I'm backstage or I'm on stage? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, backstage. And and I, I don't really get that, like, I don't get that nervous when I'm performing sketch, but when I'm on there, when I'm on stage, everything goes away, if I'm doing it right. So most of the time, it'll be like that, where I'm not thinking anything, I'm just living it.
1: Hmm. Okay. Which Very, is the goal. It's interesting. Yeah, of course, that is the goal. Um, so to talk a little bit about your like childhood, your youth, okay. your your comedy influences, did any late night TV influence you? Um I don't know how much it influenced me, but I
0: definitely Yeah, I mean I guess in a way it did. I watched uh a lot of The
1: Daily Show and The Colbert Report. Okay. And then, how, how how old were you when you were watching these shows?
0: Um, it was like a like a pre. I was like a tween. A tween, <laughs> yeah, I
1: was a tween, and that's what I was doing. I was watching a lot of Comedy Central. Okay, so did you like like the sketches they were doing or the political views that they were giving? What drew you to these shows?
0: Um, when I watched these sort of shows, I just I really consumed them. I, I guess what I like about that type of humor in general is that they're always saying something
1: uh-huh.
0: or at least most of the time they're saying something there's a there's a bent and some uh and it's about something that's supposed to be important, and I like comedy that that has thought behind it that that you can kind of see the person and what they're trying to say. That's my favorite kind of comedy is the kind of comedy that has layers isn't just silly, but it is silly, but it isn't just silly. It also has this idea, this seed
1: that they're hoping will take root or just this twist on everyday life. So you, I mean, you mentioned the phrase uh, comedy with thought behind it. So for you personally, you like it better when, you know, something makes you laugh. Like you said, it could be silly, but it also gets you to think about something in the world. Yeah, I think most stand-up, when you're done
0: watching it or any kind of comedy, most of the time you don't remember it. Like you don't really remember jokes most of the time, unless they actually get you to think like my fav One of my favorite types of jokes is the kind where you say it or you hear it. And there's this part where there's this pause in the middle where the audience needs to imagine it or needs to connect the dots. And that gets the biggest laugh on me, because that really takes advantage of the kind of the spoken word form where it's like. It puts you there. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's the best thing about stories and comedy is it puts you there. So stories, stories and comedy. When it comes to stand-up, do you prefer storytelling stand-up or like joke punchline, joke punchline type stand-up?
0: In a lot of ways, storytelling stand-up is what drew me to stand-up because one of the... um, one of the people who inspired me to start doing stand up was the late, great Bill Cosby. He's dead. Rest in peace. Um, <laughs> he's dead to me. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he drew me to it. And he was able, to, and it was, really blew my mind to watch him. And, you know, it was me and my grandma and my mom. We watched his special together and we were all laughing. And that's because he really put us there. And he also made every little thing he said funny along the way. Mm -hmm. And you felt the feelings and you connected the dots. You thought the thoughts. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) So when you were watching this, you know, Bill Cosby, rest in peace, uh, special, Mm -hmm. were you like, okay, this is it. This is what my life was meant to be. Or was it not until later when you realized, okay, I'll do stand up. Yeah, pretty much
0: it was, it was that first one, in a way. You know, dots were connected later, but, yeah, I said, yeah, I want to do that. And I, it didn't take me long. I, I did it for the first time when I was 15 or 16.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow, where did you perform? Um, <laughs> well,
0: I, eventually I just kind of signed up. I said uh, I was going to sign up for my talent show. And it wasn't that wasn't a small risk for me. I honestly think it would be harder for me to go back to high school to perform at my high school talent show than it is to for me to perform in front of 200 strangers. Um, because there, I mean, lots of people who do the talent show, they have all their friends come out, and they just love them. They want to chant their name. Right. I did not. I did not have the backing of support. So... I, <laughs> I would honestly, like, cry about that idea beforehand, but uh, I wanted to do it, so that was my goal. And I always believed in doing things you were scared of. Um, so I, I said, all right, if I'm going to do this, I need to practice. I had written jokes, and I decided I got my mom to take me out to this uh, showcase show, at the Village Theater, the old location. And it was really weird. There was, like, no real ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) It was was like uh, insulation was coming out of the ceiling. I don't know what it was. (laughs) And I decided before I went that I was going to get up on stage before the end of the night. Do not do this anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) This is a horrible thing. But that's what I decided. And I was lucky because it was a night where... It was There were more stand-up comedians than audience members. And so by the end of the night, when I asked to go up, I was like, yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. I, I brought half the audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did it, and I, I got through the first joke that I wrote, and that went fine. And then I realized, wait a second, I hate all the rest of these jokes that I wrote. And I just riffed the rest of the time. I'd been thinking thoughts the whole show, and I just riffed and I made fun of the other comics. And they loved it. I did, I did great. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all shook my hand afterwards. And since I was, like, 15 or 16, they they told me that I was going to be the next Dave Chappelle because he started around the same age. And luckily for me, the... Winter talent show got canceled due to snow. <laughs> uh, uh, yes.
1: Yes. Uh, I get all the credit, none of the hardship. <laughs> like, I, I can't imagine. That's pretty gutsy. You know, as a 15-year-old getting up there and, you know, you don't know anybody, nobody knows you, and you slowly, like, poke fun. I mean, out of, you know, it's in good spirits, but you, you poke fun at other comics. That takes guts. Yeah, I guess it does. And, um, yeah, it is.
0: I, <laughs> part of the perks of being a weird kid, I guess, is that <laughs> I don't care about social cues, but <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> norms, which makes it, it, it's the kind of thing that makes it perfect mm-hmm. to do stand-up because, or comedy in general, because comedy is all about these benign, val- uh, valid, um, violations,
1: mm-hmm. uh, just breaking what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your first joke? Yeah, I do. What is it?
0: Hold on. Let me remember it. <laughs> Let me think about it. I've i said. Yeah. You ever get that feeling when you walk into a room and everybody's looking at you? I'm getting that feeling right now.
1: It's really creeping me out. <laughs> So it's, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> so that was the first joke that you ever wrote, was that? Yeah. And, and it was well-received? It was ca- fine. It wasn't as well-received well as when I was, like, tagging other comedians' <laughs> right. jokes in the moment. Because <laughs> it was improvised,
0: so, like, it was just a good moment So for what it. does it
1: feel like? Uh, tell me what it felt like, actually, you know, when you were 15, You finish your set. They come up to you. They tell you, you're going to be the next Dave Chappelle. That Mm -hmm. is not a light compliment. That is like heavy, heavy stuff. So how does that sit with you? Currently or then? Well, let's do both. Well, I was real pumped
0: about it. But -hmm. the thing is, when you're 16, uh, a lot of places when you go, you need... A parental supervision, you need someone's support to go into this bar and do this stand-up. They're not going to let you just walk
1: in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right.
0: Uh, or at the very least, you need permission to take the car to those places late at night. And I didn't have that because mm-hmm. I'm a young woman. Dave Chappelle got that from his mom. His mom was very supportive. <laughs> uh, my mom supports me too, but she was supportive because in a way that she was worried about me... Um getting assaulted Mm. you know uh she said in a very strange way she i remember specifically i was sitting in a stoplight near my house and i said hey mom why won't you let me uh, (laughs) let me go um go to these comedy clubs and she says "Haley, i just don't want you to get raped and then she dragged her hand across my face not even looking at the i don't want you to get raped you know and i'm like mom you just molested me just then <laughs> it was
1: not okay <laughs> it's really horrifying for someone to say to you and just sh- <laughs> right down the face i love you very much (laughs) so you started stand-up you know i guess what like ninth tenth grade about yeah when did you get involved with um improv and sketch i got involved uh with improv and
0: sketch pretty recently
1: okay Um, yeah that was way more recent so stand-up, when you finish your high school career, you go off to college. Where did you go to college, by the way? High Point University was what? in North Carolina. North Carolina. Is there a big uh, stand-up scene? No, high no.
0: Point and University? I didn't have a car either oh, so, right? uh, for a while, so it wasn't doing me any favors.
1: So you, did you have stand-up in mind when you were picking your college to go to?
0: I just didn't think about it because I was – I w- Because I grew up in Atlanta, I didn't realize what we had here was Mm -hmm. so unique and special. I thought there was going to be just as many
1: open mics anywhere else, Mm -hmm. and I was wrong. I was very wrong <laughs> I just imagine you like your first day of freshman year of college you're like hey guys let's go to the you know stand up open mics and they're like what What open mics? mics
0: yeah no I was doing it at music open mics most of the time okay. when, I, when I finally got my car that's where I did it and then there was one comedy club in Greensboro which was the closest and they charged you to go to the open mics which they do not do here <laughs> they charged you per- to perform, and I'm so
1: offended that I didn't I didn't do it on principle. Uh, <laughs> of course, right. You show them. Yeah, I showed them. So, did you take a break from stand up?
0: Yeah, I did. I I kind of had to. Um, but then at some point, I, I took an improv class in town, and it was not a great improv class. It was fine. <laughs> yeah. It was a fine improv. Four out
1: of ten. Well,
0: yeah, fine. I don't think I learned that much uh, or grew that much when I did it. Um but that might have been because I wasn't developed in my comedy yet as much as I am now. Um Yeah. Uh but yeah, we'll <laughs> say that four out of ten. Um <laughs> And then, uh, but they wouldn't let me on the college improv team, which honestly, fine. I, I watched their shows and I was not. <laughs> How,
1: why? Why wouldn't they let you on the team? Oh, I auditioned. They just didn't think I was funny okay. enough. <laughs> Look who's on the podcast now. It was not. I mean,
0: other people really loved it, but I watched it and didn't enjoy it. So why would I
1: expect them to like me? <laughs> <laughs> Do do you think you have a unique sense of humor that's different from other people?
0: Uh yeah, I don't know if it's a a different sense of humor, but I think I do have a different voice.
1: Okay. Unique voice. Define define that voice for me.
0: Uh define my own voice. Uh-huh. Um Well, obviously I'm still finding it, but I think um I think it, the thing I, let me just, let me just instead say what I try to do on stage, what I'm going for, and um, a lot of that is to subvert people's expectations of me, uh-huh. um, but also play into them, because cause the thing is, I always found that people had an expectation on me based on the way I look, you know? I'm a young woman, I wear glasses, I wear a ponytail, I don't wear makeup. I look like the before from a teen makeover movie.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> so they have this very specific idea of me, you know, as kind of quiet and shy, and I'm not that. And, you know, I, um, they, they have a lot of, people have a lot of ideas about me that aren't true, and I they think I'm, I'm going to be small. I'm not that either.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So uh, I think what I do is I, I play into, at first, how nerdy they think I'm going to be. And I do like smart humor, so I do intelligent jokes that are layered. But I also do, like, silly jokes. And I also just get... I, I like to do the layered jokes, you know, that have multiple meanings, things you can take away from it if you think about it later, something you can think about and talk about later. Maybe. <laughs> um, I do, uh... So I try to do smart jokes that are also whimsical, kind of fun, um, different, quirky. Um, and, um... I guess, yeah, I guess I think also people see how much fun I'm having on stage and they respond to that too.
1: Okay. Do you like interacting with the audience a lot to bring them into the fun that you're having?
0: I think any good comedian does interact with the audience in a way. It might not be crowd work per se, but if you're... a a stand-up comedian, and you're supposed to be addressing the audience. It's not a speech, it's a conversation, whether the audience knows it or not. Um, so, when I do my a stand-up, when I'm doing a show, I try to ground myself very much in that, that present moment, not just repeat jokes that I've done a million times, and I will tell the jokes, but I have to get to a place where I am there with the audience who is seeing me for the first time, maybe. Or that time, they're seeing me. They're listening to me. They're there with me. So I will address the way they react to things. I will, uh, I will start off the set by riffing, talking about what's going on in the room, ground myself in the present moment. If I can address something that the audience does, if they do a little groan because they're sad for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love that because <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can twist that so easily where they're like, oh. You know, because my jokes, I try to make jokes with pathos in it, you know. Um, uh, I try to do the little pathos, ethos, whatever the third one is. <laughs> um, so they, they I try to make them emotional based in feelings. And sometimes people feel bad for me because that's what they think they should do. And then I, I can twist that. They, they'll do a little groan and I'll... I'll twist that to get them laughing, because that's not the point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I'll riff in the moment. Mm -hmm. Off the end of the jokes, I'll be always open to whatever comes to me. But I don't usually, like, have a conversation with an audience member. I have. But in a general sense, that's what I'm always trying to do.
1: Okay. Did your improv classes help you with your riffing?
0: Uh, yeah, because it encouraged me because at one point uh I had decided on the on the advice of another comedian, another stand up uh david Perdue. um uh he's kind of more advanced in the scene he's kind of someone uh who people call comedy big Brother in Atlanta and uh i took he said that a good way to find your voice in advance that, especially if, like, you're in a period that's, like, a little rough writing-wise, is to just go up on stage with nothing, no plan at all. And I said, you know what, I do improv, I can do this. So I did do that, and that also made me stronger, I could. And I found that I could do that, and it was fun for me. And, you know, obviously when I... Um, when I do comedy the point I do want to have things I've written because part of the point of comedy for me is to express myself and like especially to find reach people uh, like myself who maybe feel like they're alone uh, and people don't get it and have that moment of when you say something, they're like, oh, I never thought anyone else would also think that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think it's important to write, but I, I did that for a period of time, and I found that I could do it. And it encouraged, ha- improv helped encourage me to feel like I could do that.
1: Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine going up on stage with like zero when it comes to stand-up. So when you go up there, like where, where do you start pulling from?
0: usually i would start with literally the last thing anybody said okay yeah or just look around you know it's like conversation Mm -hmm. you know the same thing with improv improv is this way also it's like conversation in that when you're talking to someone for the first time it's a stranger you just kind of all right where are we (laughs) what's going on Mm -hmm. what's what's in my heart what's in my head What have I been thinking about? What did someone just say that I had a thought about?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, For a little bit, what I would do is I did a little challenge where I would try to talk about everything, the people before, one thing from each of the sets before me. Oh. And then, obviously, but approach it in a different way Uh than they did. So, yeah, I would just start with the suggestion being that particular moment in time.
1: Okay. Now,
0: now and wherever that takes me. Th-
1: the next thing that I have to ask you is something I actually brought up uh with Travis, Travis Jones, who was on my uh previous episode and it's about heckling. Okay. And how to deal with hecklers. So, first and foremost, have you ever been heckled before? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the first time if you remember it and how it went for you.
0: Oh yeah, I remember the first time. <laughs> it was so inappropriate. It was <laughs> so inappropriate. Because um, at one point, I actually, once I had turned 18, I was finally ready. I was like, all right, well, I might as well do a class to jumpstart me in it. I did the Laughing Skull class. And at the graduation of the stand-up class, someone, and by the way, that means it was a Friend of somebody who was on the show was drunk at five o'clock in the evening.
1: Oh my god.
0: Or maybe earlier and heckled me from the audience. I was the first person to go up. And this person's <laughs> another girl in the class, her friend, heckled me at her grad show. And I handled it. I was lucky because I had seen Jim Jeffries like the week before. And he got heckled and i just i literally just said what he said you know when it comes to heckling there's no like personal take on it you know you just gotta handle it mm-hmm. so i just said what he said which is
1: well would you like
0: to try this come on up and of course that just shut them out but that was honestly like the worst heckling i've ever received really to this day
1: tell me what are your pieces of advice to somebody who is being heckled okay and this is just a general note is
0: heckling does not happen as much as you think it's going to happen just in general that's not going to happen very often for the most part people are respectful and um they know better uh Second of all, okay, so when you're handling a heckler, no, by the way, it hasn't even happened that many times to me. The worst time, that was that was the most, that was one of the most time, worst times, but the real worst time. This is what I want to hear. This is not what you want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's what you want to hear. What I'm going to tell you is that the wo- I was at a music open mic, just a general open mic. It wasn't specifically comedy. and this woman was listening to me, and I'm pretty sure she was mentally ill or uh, you know, in some way she wasn't she wasn't completely socially cognizant the way um society might expect. <laughs> yeah. As I'm choosing my words very carefully, but she she definitely wasn't aware. And so that's the fucking worst. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because I first of all, I feel bad for her. <laughs> like, you know, it's not really her fault, mm, you know? Right. And second of all, I can't just shut her down mm-hmm. because Everyone will and should identify with her. Uh-huh. It's fine. You know, but I have a limited amount of time. I came here to say this thing. I only get to do this so many times a week. I gotta I gotta handle it. <laughs> I can't just let this be the rest of my set. And it was disruptive. Uh-huh. So at first first time, and this is a good rule of thumb. You just ignore the first outburst. Because a lot of times when people say something at a show, it's just like a reaction to something you said, and that's fine. And they'll realize and they'll let it go. And they won't do it again. But she was disruptive. Um, so I just had to politely ask her to stop. <laughs> it still felt a little mean.
1: Uh, right, right. Uh but I had to politely but firmly <laughs> there you go, <laughs> lay down the law. I had to
0: tell her, hey nope, um yeah, but and and most of the time that'll do too, and yeah. that worked that time. luckily, thank God <laughs> <laughs> um but if if someone's most of the time if you are if you're being like in and you're being engaging enough and you're just being like powerful and you really draw people in they won't try to talk over you hopefully uh-huh. unless they're really drunk
1: <laughs> then all bets are off
0: in which case. They're as stupid as they'll ever be, Mm -hmm. and if you ever try to talk to a dumb person, they'll say dumb or drunk person. They'll say stupid stuff all the time. You don't need to try that hard to find out what to say about them, Mm -hmm. because they'll say it for themselves, and you just say what everyone is thinking. And then if you make fun of them, and then you say, "All right, you're done now." (laughs) Yeah, right. Then that should do it. What's your writing process? I mean, it's not, it's not, uh, a lot of the time it'll just be that, uh, I'll see something it makes me think something. I write it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, basically what it is, is I look for things that I care about, mm-hmm. I look for things that ha- elicit a reaction out of me. Mm-hmm. And I want to say something about. Mm -hmm. A lot of people I see at, like, open mics will make this mistake where they just talk about things they think they should talk about. Mm. Airplanes. (laughs) Online dating. uh, Mm Tinder. And it's stuff that you can kind of tell they don't really care about, so why should anyone else? Uh, The... You want to watch someone who cares about what they're talking about. They're passionate. That's what draws you in. Not this dry, like, I'm cooler than this affect. Mm-hmm. So, I find things I care about, whether it's as silly as a sandwich. I love sandwiches. Yeah. That's just how it is. Yeah. <laughs> I get
1: excited when I talk about sandwiches because <laughs> I love them. Yep. I'm also a sandwich fan. I have to say, they're, just, they're like the perfect food. I could not agree more. Honestly, I mean, you get like a bunch of different foods, first of all, inside. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the bread is like hugging it. Just a it's warm just, hug. It's, sandwiches are like eating love, essentially. Listen, welcome to Sandwich Cast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rename this whole podcast. It'll be called Sandwich Time. All right, edit everything else out. <laughs> just because we're talking about sandwiches. The episode's going to be a minute 53 seconds long. Just of us talking about sandwiches.
0: I had this thick cut pastrami Reuben sandwich.
1: Uh, mm, I think, about it. I think th- about it. You think about it? I think about it. <laughs> so, so your comedy is like, uh, it's a lot of observational humor. Is, is that accurate to say? I don't. I don't know if it is. Because I think, when I think about observational humor,
0: I think about things, people who say things that are just, everyone can see it's right in front of them, you know? Like, it's, it's like, just really dissecting something mm-hmm. in a kind of a, like, uh, in kind of, like, a clinical way, in, like, kind of, like, a scientific way, almost, you mm-hmm. know? Um, because, and what I do is, every joke I tell has, and, and this is, I mean, honestly, this applies to, like, pretty much every joke in general, but every joke I tell has a perspective and it's you—it's unique to me, hopefully. Most of the time it'll be like something that I feel, you know, that it might be surprising to other people. It's not something that, oh, I never thought of that because it's one of those things where why would you think about that? It's right. something I think. <laughs> mm, right. So... um so, I don't know that it is. I mean, it's observational about my own feelings uh-huh. and thoughts and why that sort of thing. But it's not, you know, let's dissect Pop Tarts or sandwiches. I don't dissect sandwiches, I just talk about how much I love them mm-hmm. and how much I got more of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Especially the bougie kind. Mm-hmm. I love bougie sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, drizzle some balsamic on it And I'm there Nothing's better I'm there Drizzle
1: anything on it I'll pay extra See, I I don't do mayonnaise Drizzle piss on it It's fine Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Whatever whatever. As long as it's pastrami As long as as it's drizzled And brings out the flavors (laughs) (laughs) So Your ideas for, you know, stand-up Is that the same when you write sketch? you you do write about the, the same kind of topics? You
0: know, like, the only theme here is it's just, like, things I think and I care about. You know, when it's... Certain things are better for sketch than they are for stand-up. They mm-hmm. just play better. Some things, I think... Like, I actually have a bit that I recently... It was a stand-up bit, and I recently turned it into a sketch bit. Okay. Yeah, and I actually like it more as a sketch. Um... The great thing about sketch is... It isn't just you saying it. It's an entire world of people saying it. Mm -hmm. So it's... This is the world. I, I get to create the world in which... You know... People have... This is what they're talking about. You know? So, like... Like, that's why the bit that I had played better, because it was was a ridiculous thought, and I had everyone have that same. It was a peas in the pod kind of thing. Okay. So it it was heightening, and everyone was, in the sketch was a part of heightening it, and it was just like, yes, we are all in agreement. We're all getting more and more excited about it, because yes, we are all there. We're getting more and more into this world, and it's just kind of like echoing. It makes it bigger, Mm -hmm. Um, because it was that kind of bit. um and I just and I was kind of tired of doing the bit on stage I was like you know what I can do better Um, (laughs) but it was it was it really brought out the things I was trying to say underneath it more I think as well
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so I think it's just a matter of whether what you're trying to say what the right medium for what you're trying to say is Mm -hmm. because in sketch
1: you know there are other people (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's true yeah Um, which do you like more? I mean, I feel like I know the answer to this question, but which do you like more, stand-up or sketch?
0: Uh, (laughs) stand-up.
1: Yeah, I I figured (laughs) you were going to say that, but what's your reasoning? Because it's
0: my first love, and it's just what I want to be doing, and, you know, it's just there's... It's just you up there. You're doing your thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um... And you're, you're selling people on, you know, ideals and yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't know, I guess just like I do sketch and it's lots of fun to do. And I'm doing lots of different people's sketches at the time. Mm-hmm. But I've done, you know, a duo sketch show. I've done it and um, it felt great. But just stand-up is so immediate. I can have a thought. I can put it on stage that same day. I, I don't, you know, I don't need to take that many steps to do it. And there's just, I don't know, when I did my half hour, I did my first 30 minutes earlier this year. It was oh, a little more than that. Congratulations. Thank you. It was, it was at the Highland Ballroom. And it was like, Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a really good show. It was a really good crowd. And I did my thir- first 30 minutes, and it was the best moment of my life. Mm-hmm. Best moment of my life. And that's just what it is.
1: <laughs> Have you ever performed and things just went like horrifically, like it was dead silent and it didn't go well? Sure, I've had bad sets. How do you how do you deal with that? Where nothing's working?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of like a specific example. You just keep going. That's how you deal with it. You just keep going. You try something different, maybe, mm-hmm. but not so different, you know? There are going to be crowds that just aren't going to like me, mm-hmm. what I have to bring. And sometimes, one thing that I found, one time I went to a show, OTP, and and I'm queer. I am openly queer. <laughs> <laughs> and some people don't like that about me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I went to the show OTP with that idea that all right, I'm gonna start off the show on that foot. Oh, okay. And then I'm gonna see what I can do to get them back a little bit. Uh-huh. So I started off the show in that foot. Didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't like it immediately right off the bat. And then, um, and then I started doing some of my like. Best one-liners. Most consistent jokes. They did not laugh as much. Right? And then I was like... And then I decided on this particular occasion just to call them on their bullshit. <laughs> there you go. I I said, hey. I knew you weren't going to like this. I'm just being myself. So get on board or don't. I don't care. But I'm going to be here the whole time. <laughs> so I I... I I don't believe in apologizing for a joke not going well. I mean, it'll get you an easy laugh, mm-hmm. but I've heard it said before that it just kind of s- sells yourself
1: out. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really what to do. You say, "Hey, get on board." You <laughs> no, have had some gutsy moments on stage. I feel like <laughs> that's what I'm learning from you. You're 15. You you know poke fun at other comedians, then you go. To this place, and you shut down the crowd. I like you, Haley. (laughs) You tell good stories. Thank you, Matt. (laughs) I, I I
0: think, I think that might be why stand up is my favorite because it gives you the most opportunities to be brave and bold and take risks. And that's what I get the most out of life. When I get the most out of life is when I do those things, and that that's what makes me feel the most alive. Okay, yeah, because when you are doing sketch, it's fun, but there is a script. And there are other performers. And it's not just you. And I like telling a room full of strangers something that I
1: shouldn't. (laughs) And then it going incredibly well. (laughs) So today, who do you aspire to be like? I mean, I guess if I had to say someone whose
0: uh, career I think would be cool. uh, I think I like... Um, I like... I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. <laughs> <laughs> I really like... Uh, I like Maria Bamford's career. I like... Um, God, okay, hold on. Alright. He does indie films. And it's stand-up. And he has storytelling stand-up. And he's like
1: a white dude. And he's, you know... It's kind of like... Uh, no, no, no guesses. No, no guesses. He, okay, he does indie films. He's a white guy. He does stand he does up. Stand up. He, he's on public radio all the time. Okay, he's on public radio. He's an MPI dude. Like, "He and I were
0: class made don't think twice." You're an improviser. I don't How know. Do you these not know what? I don't, I don't, don't know think these twice. Is.
1: You you can Google it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we can look it up. Don't oh. look twice. Dude, it's an improvising movie. How do you. You know what? I'm just. Oh, don't think. Don't think. The movie? Don't think twice? Yes. Oh, I have heard of that. But who is starring and directing Oh, it? I don't know that. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed in you. I'm sorry. I'm okay. sorry. I, All right. Now I'll know. See, this is why I do you these podcasts. You're going to know forever. I do these podcasts. you to learn. learn. <laughs> you, and
0: you better. <laughs> you better learn. You better know forever now. Mike
1: Birbiglia. Mike Birbiglia. Oh, I know Mike Birbiglia. I know you know Mike <laughs> Classic Mike. Ah, uh, Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he, he is a
0: cool... And I feel like this took way too long to answer this question. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I would really like to um, write and direct and maybe even
1: star in my own indie films. Okay. Have you started writing... Uh, type of movie or you have an idea for a movie script well i've written short films before
0: and i that was part of the reason i got into writing sketch is that kind of incremental practice it's kind of i kind of think of writing sketch as like the writing um like short stories Mm is to writing a novel i kind of think of writing sketch is to writing television or movies where it's that little chunk where you can go and test your writing in front of a live audience and you can just uh, hone your craft that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's my plan. And, and my first step um, that I'm taking towards starting to shoot and direct more, uh, well, it's not my first, but one of the steps that I'm taking now is I'm, all right, I got to shoot a sketch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll put in Ladies Night, right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put it up at this live show in town, this uh, sketch submission show. So that's what I'm working on now. And, um, I mean, I do – I've already well, – what that's what I went first to school for is, you know, production stuff. Okay. Um, and I have a ton of shoots lined up this month. It's going to be crazy. After this, I'm going to an overnight shoot starting at 10, going to 4 a.m.
1: For, like, a short film?
0: Uh, It's a series of sketches – for the wow. bitchy waiter, I, the you know they're not my sketches. I'm doing grip for them. Okay, um, which is you know I'm I'm setting up lights. I'm doing rigs and stuff, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna start for this group. You know the, the bitchy waiter is a is a Facebook group that's and a persona that has like a lot of followers. And when you put sketches on there, they get seen, and we're making sketches for them. And then I'm gonna start. Um, after after I do this script, I'm going to watch and learn, and I'm going to start
1: DPing for them, and that'll be really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So what's the next step in your career? Well, tomorrow I'm shooting another sketch. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and I'm directing it. <laughs> next
0: step for my career... The big plan. Mm-hmm, the big plan. I mean, in a way, just shooting this... The next step is starting to publish my work on a way that's not like that people can see it, can mm-hmm. see what I'm working on, see what I've been doing. Uh, so, yeah, you know, like I said before, shooting the sketch, getting it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I met with a manager recently, and um, that's cool. I'm thinking... I would like to do voiceover, but that may, that might be a distraction. Who knows? I, I have lots of ideas. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I started doing improv in Atlanta is because I got cast in an Adult Swim pilot in kind of an informal way.
1: Congratulations. I-
0: <laughs> It does not matter. <laughs> was like, that was like a year and a half ago. That pilot ain't happening.
1: <laughs> well, congratulations on your past self.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and people have wanted to cast me since. And I was like, well, this is a thing people want from me. They like my voice. Mm-hmm. And I need to use that tool. So that's another step for me. Mm-hmm. Another goal of mine is to put that reel out there, Get get into voiceover.
1: You do have a very unique voice. Do you use that in your stand up a lot you Of course I do okay, of good. course I do I mean you know
0: it's not always deliberate I just have a different especially on stage mm-hmm. I have a, a different uh, cadence to my voice mm-hmm. just naturally um, you might you might not you might not be able to hear it now but definitely on stage the way I deliver is is not the rhythm that people expect people to speak in mm-hmm. so i think it adds a little bit of surprise and misdirect because people don't know where i'm going with things right it's and, very true and because and because i have i'm kind of an oddball i also have ideas that go along with that and it mm-hmm. works well together and know, sometimes i'll kind of like knowingly use like my way of talking of just kind of really selling a joke just kind of like being like oh, you think I'm cool? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> you know? Uh-huh, right. Me making, sure, making sure that I'm trying to sell it. I've definitely had times where I was like, I'm going to write a joke that just works in my voice. And that's just going to happen, too, because that's the voice I think in. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of weird because I'll write sketches and I have this weird way of talking and it translates into the dialogue. I write and it translates into... The way I write jokes, so that other people really can't read them the same way. (laughs) Like like, like if someone else said it, it wouldn't work. Which is that's a big goal for anybody's stand-up is that Mm -hmm. it is so personal to you that other people literally cannot say it and get a laugh. Right.
1: (laughs) It's very unique. Yeah. Um. So for the final question that I have for you, this is a question I ask every guest when they come on the show Um, and that question is if you were to give one piece of advice to somebody who eventually wants to be in your shoes what piece of advice would you give them start already (laughs) be doing it already
0: you know people come up to me all the time and they say oh I've always wanted to do what you do and you can It's (laughs) you can do it (laughs) It might not be as good as I do it, okay, but that's fine. You know, everybody starts somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody starts somewhere, and maybe my first time was amazing, but my second time wasn't that, or third time wasn't that great. You know, you're going to bomb a lot at first, Mm -hmm. and that's great and fine, especially if you're being yourself. That's a great sign. Um. Yeah, I think that's my other advice, is that as long as, just stay true to yourself and what you care about talking about, and um, that's, don't don't be what you think audiences are going to want you to be, you know, that's the best comedians of all kinds made them want what you have. People didn't know that they were going to want it. Uh It was these people being themselves, doing what they wanted to do, even though at first maybe people didn't want it. And then people grew to crave it because it was a need they didn't know they had. So, yeah. In summary... (laughs) <laughs> do what you want to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Take risks. Be yourself. <laughs> Perfect. I couldn't agree more. And if anybody listening, um, if they want to see you perform in person or maybe check you out online, um, what's some information where they can find you? Um. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I have a Facebook
0: page that you can like. It's called Haley Ellman. H-A-Y-L-E-Y space. E L L man so like my facebook page and then you'll know everything that i'm doing
1: all right perfect well thank you Haley, so much for being on the show i learned a ton from you this was a blast talking with you thank you and to anybody listening remember you can check us out on our facebook page well first like Haley's page and then you can come like our page Mm -hmm. at talking late night or you can visit us online at www.talkinglatenight.com so thank you again so much for listening and we'll see you next time (laughs)
0: Thank <laughs>